I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. Eli Sussman, Managing Editor of Fish Stripes, here with you, introducing Episode 17 of Earning Their Stripes, our minor league show focusing on everything happening in the Marlins farm system. Remember, full coverage of everything we do with the Marlins, fishstripes.com, and subscribe to Fish Stripes on your favorite podcast provider to get all of our podcast shows covering all aspects of the Marlins organization. There's no way to sugarcoat it. The AA Jacksonville Jumbo Shrimp got off to a poor start this season with a very uninspiring offense and had one of the worst records in the Southern League. That entire script has flipped over the past month or two with the infusion of elite talent through both promotions and trades and just some breakout performers that we didn't expect in the Marlins farm system. To review all that and go back even further, we're bringing on their director of broadcasting, their play-by-play man, Roger Hoover. Hoover has been with Jacksonville now in his eighth season, so he's been there long enough to see the previous wave of elite talent that came through the Marlins system, and now he's there right now as several other new trade acquisitions get implemented, and their elite talent is really shining in a way that we haven't seen yet this season. As we speak to him now, here in the middle of August, things are better than ever for the team. They're trying to even sneak into the playoffs at the end of the season and give those players a taste of what real competitive games are like. I wasn't here for this interview. It's your Earning Their Stripes co-host, Ethan Badowski, interviewing Roger about everything during this 2019 season, some players of interest that passed through Jacksonville last summer, and more about just the lifestyle of being a broadcaster for a minor league baseball team and the grind that it takes to make it through that long season. So enjoy episode 17, Earning Their Stripes, Ethan and Roger Hoover. All right, we're really excited about this special guest that we have today. It's Roger Hoover, the play-by-play announcer for the Jacksonville Jumbo Shrimp. He's here to offer us some perspective on the Jumbo Shrimp and the season that they've been having. It's been really, really exciting up in Jacksonville lately, and we're really, really excited about having Roger here with us. So, Roger, thanks for joining us. Uh, what's been going on up there in Jacksonville? What's the news? How, how excited is everybody up there about what's been going on recently? Everybody's really excited. Uh, I think really from spring training on, there's been excitement about just the uh, talent that continues to pour into this organization. And, you know, some of the high profile moves that were made last year now starting to reach the double A level. 
Uh, obviously, with the JT Real Muto trade, getting Sixto Sanchez from the Phillies and getting mm-hmm. to watch him really blossom into an ace at the AA level uh, has been terrific this season. And the second half of the season, finally the wins are coming. Uh, you know, Jeff yeah. Trim had a very up-and-down first half of the season and wins and losses. Kind of similar to last year's team that finished in last place in both halves of the Southern League season. But you knew the terrific talent was there from Monte Harrison to Easton Diaz. Now we're starting to see uh, wins come along with the talent and the prospects. And then you add in the trade deadline, bringing in Jazz Chisholm, Lewin Diaz, uh, to really lo- two lockdown spots of the infield. It's made for a really winning product. The Shrimp have won four games in a row and still just two games back with 21 games left to go in the Southern League schedule. So it's going to be a really fun finish to the season. Here in the bottom of the 11th, the 3-0. Fastball, low ball four. It's a walk-off walk for Alex Messia in his first ever plate appearance. And after a scoreless 10th and 11th, he's going to get mobbed over at first base. The Jumbo Shrimp rallying with one in the eighth, two in the ninth, and they win four to three in 11 innings. Yeah, that's awesome. And like you said, there's just been so much exciting talent added uh, to this team. Uh, throughout the year. But before we get to that, I want to talk about talent that you've seen in the past. And I want to talk about specifically two guys from last year, which are, of course, Monte Harrison and Isan Diaz, who we now see at the major league level. What was it like watching? I mean, those are two of the guys that, you know, were the main pieces of the rebuild and two of the highlights of the trades that were made in that big offseason. What was it like watching those guys kind of grow up and then now seeing their development in AAA? I mean, obviously, Isan was having it was having a great year in AAA, so good that you know he's made it to the majors finally. And Monte was really having a great year after kind of a down year last year. So, what did you see from those guys in their development, and what was it like being around those guys for an entire year, which was a huge stage in their development and growth towards the major leagues? It really was a big year in terms of their development. Uh, going from high A to double A, consistently as you talk to people, you will find that that is the biggest separator in minor league baseball and really yep. in baseball outside of triple a to the majors um that is what is such a big uh, difference maker going from high a to double a and for these guys uh they had their ups and downs in the april and may of last year uh, especially monte with some strikeouts but uh once he was able to start cutting down some strikeouts and putting the ball in play a lot more we saw mm-hmm. that in the second half of the season he continued that good work in the arizona fall league and uh, i was really impressed by what i saw uh, coming in from him at triple a this season obviously the power's there and then he plays just such a sound defensive center field uh, that's the thing that stands out to me about Monte mm-hmm. Harrison. And also, he had a real knack for hitting in the clutch, had some walk-off hits, home runs. Yeah. And, uh, you know, he had a lot of runs batted in from the seventh inning on last year. So that was great to see from him. First pitch on the way. Harrison swings. High drive. Deep to left field. This is gone! Harrison with the three-run walk-off homer. He's defeated the Shuckers 6-5 to five in Duval County. And then for Isan Diaz, uh, also got off to a little bit of a slow start, but when he was hot, he was really yeah. red hot at the plate. You know, there'd be several yeah, weeks was. where he would be hitting around like 600 for the hmm. week and getting his home runs, getting uh, his runs at it in, and then he made every play defensively at second base. Uh, you know, I think a lot of people talk about how great Javier Baez is in terms of mm. his uh, ability to apply tags at second base. Uh, Isan Diaz, for my opinion, and I got to see Baez as well when he was coming up through the minors. 
Uh, Isan has a very similar skill set, and so you add that into being a left-handed bat with power like we saw last week in New York. Uh, this is an exciting mm-hmm. player, and I think when I started looking at the Yelich trade, uh, I kept coming back to over and over in my head at least that you know Ethan may turn out to be the most consistent and have the yeah. longest career of anybody coming back to the Marlins from that trade. I mean, I, I see him being a perennial all-star at second base for the Marlins. Yeah, I kind of said the same thing about Isan. I was so excited about him. this The beginning of this year, I was like, this guy just seems like no matter what, he's going to end up being good at the major league level. And I love that comparison you made to Javi Baez because uh, uh, I do dabble in the Cubs as well, and I love Javi Baez. I love watching him play. And I feel like Isan kind of brings a very similar flair. We saw that play he made behind the back this year, so I love that comparison. But um, I, I want to know, like, how in-depth are you? Do you follow these guys when they go to New Orleans? How much do you follow these guys when they get to the MLB? You know, how in-tapped or tapped into you are you to the rest of the Marlins system, not just Jacksonville? I try to stay as well-informed as I can. Uh, obviously, part mm-hmm. of that comes from getting to be around the Marlins in spring training. I've been fortunate in the last four years to team up with Kyle Seeloff and some others from the Marlins Radio Network for spring mm-hmm. training broadcasts. So getting to see everybody in spring training, and then it's fun when we all disperse to our different locations in the minor league mm-hmm. system, and then, of course, the guys in Miami. So, yeah, I love keeping up with the guys, and uh, I really like the results we've seen from AAA New Orleans, not only from Monte and Eason, but some mm-hmm. of the pitchers that have made that transition. Uh, you look at what Robert Duggar and Cody Poteet did for Jacksonville to start the season. They were two outstanding starting pitchers for the Jumbo Shrimp, and now they've had some success at AAA New Orleans as well. And just everybody's going in the same direction right now. That's what I continue mm-hmm. to see with the Marlins organization. And, and at times, it didn't always feel like that in the past, but uh, ever since Derek Jeter's group came in uh, with Gary Denbo, of course, uh, really running the farm system, uh, everyone's going in one direction, and the Marlins are sticking to a plan. And that has been the best thing for the minor league system is that everybody knows their player development plan on an individual mm-hmm. basis. I mean, the amount of work that goes into what the Marlins want to see from each individual player, regardless if they were drafted or uh, came over with this new group or not, uh, there's a lot of care in making sure that every player on the 25 man roster at every level of the organization is again, going in that one strong direction. And that's what's mm-hmm. made the last two years so much fun. So I do want to ask you about, you know, you talked about the plan that the Jeter group has had. And I want to ask you about this because we saw this executed at the trade deadline when they took a lot of pitching, a lot of expandable pitching, and they went out and got power. And two of the guys that uh, two of the main acquisitions that they made at the deadline are in Jacksonville with you right now. And I want to talk about these guys because they've really been flashing since they got there. And that's first baseman Luan Diaz and uh, shortstop Jazz Chisholm. So, Jazz obviously had that big game when he first got there. He hit a home run, and I think he had a triple or a double, and then he had a big game yesterday. He was on base five times, and Lewin just seems to be hitting the ball over the fence every time he makes contact. So what have you seen so far from those guys that should make Marlins fans excited about their development and kind of less upset about the idea of giving away Zach Gallen? Power. And power is the game's most valuable commodity right now, and especially 
from the left side of the plate, I mean, consider the dimensions of Marlins Park, you know, you add those two in plus Isan Diaz. I mean, my goodness, mm-hmm. there's uh, going to be a lot of home runs <laughs> yeah. in, in Miami coming up well, once uh, Jazz and Lewin do make it to the major leagues. But uh, the first thing I would say is power. Again, uh, Jazz Chisholm's hit 20 home runs in the Southern League this season. And when I talked to him, he talked about the fact that he really doesn't go to the plate trying to hit home runs. There's just a lot of natural loft. Uh, Mm -hmm. from his swing and it it was incredible to watch him in batting practice at Biloxi when we first got him Uh, he hit a lot of home runs that just kind of took their time getting out of the park but they would just carry and carry and carry to left field sometimes Mm -hmm. it's just kind of easy pop and everything he hits is high fly balls it's not so much line drives with him Mm -hmm. so that's good to see from Jazz also very sound defensively at shortstop just his range is so quick Uh, and he's shown off some impressive glove work as well then with Lewin Diaz, uh, the power is legitimate right there as well. And kind of, he really reminds me of Jesus Sanchez, who, of course, also came mm-hmm. over from the uh, Tampa Bay Rays trade. And when the Jumbo Shrimp got to see uh, him earlier in the season, he was playing for the Montgomery Biscuits. Uh, now he's been playing in AAA. But uh, a very sound left-handed swing. And uh, at the baseball grounds of Jacksonville, our home park, it is 420 feet straightaway center field. And the other night, there was a home run hit by Lewin Diaz that went about uh-huh. 435 feet to straightaway That's center insane. field. Uh, you know, we That's typically crazy. never see home runs. Uh-huh. Yeah, we never see home runs to that part of the ballpark unless your last name is uh, Stanton, Ozuna. Uh-huh. <laughs> but now you can add Diaz to the list. Uh, that was impressive to see. And uh, I really liked getting to watch him. Uh, there's still some strikeouts of him, but, mm-hmm. uh, you know, he can hit for a high average. He can drive the ball out of the ballpark. And at first base, he's uh, rock solid defensively as well. So, you know, two additions that have really bolstered what the Jumbo Shrimp are trying to do. And now they kind of took a team that was kind of on the brink of, you know, two or three losses away from really no longer being in playoff contention. Mm-hmm. And now with those guys in tow, knowing they can hit home runs and we're about to go to two ballparks uh, in this upcoming road trip, uh, the Tennessee Smokies place and the Birmingham Barons Park where you can get some home runs. Uh, that's made us really excited for these next 10 games. So power is the name of the game right now in baseball. All across, you know, We've seen the, the AAA power increase. We've seen um, the, you know, obviously what's happening at the major league level is insane. And there's only one way to stop that on the mound and that's with more power from the mound. And one guy that has all the power in the world out on the pitching mound is a guy you brought up earlier, and that is Sixto Sanchez. And, uh, I mean, just, you know, what what can you really say about this guy? I mean, he got off out of the gates. People were a little worried about him. He was letting up a lot of contact, giving up a lot of hits, um, but he was never walking a ton of guys. It always seemed like he was throwing too many strikes. So what have you seen in his development this year, and what do you see? I mean, I... Like I've compared this guy to Johnny Cueto, Ian, who's uh, my co-host usually, uh, has compared him to Johnny Cueto as well. Um, what do you see from this guy that just makes him such a promising prospect and, and how exciting has it been to see him grow? Because to- hit all his really great starts have come towards the back end of this season where he's just been racking up the strikeout numbers and not, let up, let, not letting up a ton of runs or anything. So uh, how exciting has it been to watch Sixto this year? I mean, he's probably the most promising guy in the Marlins system right now. Yeah, I'd have to say so. Uh, And, you know, it starts with the fastball for him. He's just got an electric fastball that can touch 100 miles per hour. I've seen it clocked at as high as 102 miles per hour this season. Uh, And typically his basement is like 96. 
I mean, it's mm-hmm. unreal for what he can do with the fastball. And the main thing that Sixto Sanchez has done this year is learn how to use his slider. He had a curveball with the Phillies, but the Marlins have mm-hmm. made him go to a slider, and that's been extremely effective around 86, 87 miles per hour. And then, to me, the best pitch that he's had all season has not been the fastball, even though that's elite and could play mm-hmm. in the major leagues right now. The slider is very good, but the changeup. His yeah. changeup comes in about 90, 91 miles per hour, and whether it's a right-handed batter or a left-handed batter, they cannot handle it, especially yeah. when it's kind of just below the strike zone um, because it looks so good coming out of his hand. And, you know, they're used to seeing the 100-mile-per-hour fastball, yeah. so they think, oh, i got a handle on this. And before you know it, they're back in the dugout because they've struck out. Uh, mm. That's what he's really putting batters away with more than anything. And then, you know, when he really is up against it and he's got to go to the fastball, he's able to do that. Uh, I've been extremely impressed by the way he's been able to get out of innings quickly. And one of the other things we've seen from him as the season's gone along I think he really realizes now you don't have to strike everybody out. Sometimes he's able to get a quick Mm -hmm. ground ball to second base to end the inning. Um, You know, he's able to induce some weak contact with that changeup. So I think he's really grown as a pitcher and has he Mm -hmm. thinks on the mound. I think a lot of credit goes to Jacksonville's pitching coach, Bruce Walton, who uh, was a major league veteran. And just I'm seeing a lot of belief out of Sixto Sanchez and that's the great thing that you want to see. And you see his teammates, you know, we talk about it all the time. It's a noche de six mm-hmm. whenever he pitches. And uh-huh. uh, really everyone goes to the park expecting a win that day. And goodness, recently that's been the case. Yeah. We saw that change up when he was pitching in the futures game and it was just insane. I mean, I, I, growing up as a kid, like I never saw a change up at 91 miles an hour. You know what I mean? Like just the way the pitches have developed now in major league baseball and especially those sliders, it seems like everybody has a wipeout slider nowadays. And it's so good to see Sixto just, I mean, like just dominating, like every time he comes to the park, every time he pitches, it's, you know, something good is going to happen. And so I always get excited just watching the box scores when he shows up, because like you said, like every time he's out there, something good happens, but I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you will hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as uh, simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Uh, real quick, yes or no answer, and then I've got a couple more questions for you. Yes or no answer, is Sixto in the major leagues next year? Yes. Yeah. I like that answer. Yeah. I can't wait to see this guy pitch. I can't, I, do I you think he's see, major yeah. league ready right now? you think he could do it right now? I think he would have success uh, right away. I think he'd be able to have – kind of similar to how Jordan Yamamoto made the transition – I think early on he would do well. Uh, you know, the only question I would have is just what happens when he starts seeing a, t- a team two or three times. Uh, I think that's where uh, maybe some AAA time would help him a little bit because now in AAA you're able to go up against a little more veteran hitters, and you see some mm-hmm. in the Southern League, but 
Southern Double A baseball is mainly the prospect league, and that's where guys are able to spend a little bit more time. And then when they are ready, a lot of times we'll make the jump uh, directly from Double A to the major leagues, uh, even hitters. Mm-hmm. So I think that's where Triple A time is really needed for him because uh, with the schedule that you have, especially. Uh, for the Marlins or the Pacific Coast League team, you are going to repeat a lot of opponents uh, in a very mm-hmm. short amount of time in April and May. So I, I think that's something the Marlins would like to see from him is just, all right, you're getting these good results. Um, but in the Southern League, again, you don't see as many of the same opponents uh, like you would in AAA. So I, I think mm-hmm. still just some time, and he's still very young. He just turned 21 years old. And uh, got to make sure that everything is great for him health-wise. And uh, this has been a terrific season uh, in that regard. He's been able to stay healthy. He's been able to pitch deep into the year. And that's exactly what the Marlins wanted to see. But, uh, yes, I can definitely see him making his major league debut next season. Now, you brought them up earlier, and uh, I, I got to ask you about them. So you were, the, you were there with, when Stanton and Ozuna and Yelich and everybody was coming through, right? You were with the team still? Uh, yes, uh, with Stanton, I was uh-huh. in the Southern League. I was the number two broadcaster for the Cubs AA affiliate, the Tennessee uh-huh. Smokies. So I saw him play uh, as, an, as a visiting broadcaster. Uh, but with Yelich and Ozuna, yes, I was Jacksonville's broadcaster when they came through in 2013, along with Jake Marisnik. Uh-huh. Almost everyone forgets about uh, uh-huh. Marisnik was part of that wave at the same time. Uh-huh. So since then, it, is this the, the most exciting time in the Marlins organization since then or ever, would you say? I would say since then, because at you know in 2013 when they had the rebuild after uh, the 2012 major league season and made all the mm-hmm. trades and uh, really restocked the farm system in 2013, you you really saw what they were building along with uh, the late Jose Fernandez and, uh, and mm-hmm. Jose actually never did get the pitch for Jacksonville because he was needed in the major leagues to start the 2013 season, even though he had already paid for an apartment uh, in Jacksonville, was ready to start the year there, but with injuries to Nathan Evaldi and Henderson mm-hmm. Alvarez needed in the big leagues and obviously got to stay there. Um, I would say it's very similar to that time, um, mm-hmm. but the one big difference I would say about right now is there's really no need to rush the prospects as much yeah. as there was back then. Uh, and just with the Jose example, you know, the two big injuries in the starting rotation of the end of spring training, they call mm-hmm. upon a guy that had never pitched above high eight baseball. The Marlins right was. now are not ha- – yeah, the Marlins right now aren't having to do that. And, you know, with mm-hmm. Jordan Yamamoto uh, really being the only guy that's along now with Robert Duggar, you know, those are the only two guys from our rotation this year that have gotten to pitch – in the major league. And I think that's a pretty strong statement about the pitching depth and the starting pitching depth that we have in the Marlins organization, because, you know, right now equivalent to like Jose Fernandez from 2013, having to be called up in the majors would be, you know, Trevor Rogers, Jordan Holloway, Braxton Garrett. And we're not even (laughs) seeing many of those guys get the double A and Trevor Rogers has just made a couple of double A starts. So that's the encouraging thing to me is that there's so much depth right now. And again, mm-hmm. nobody is having to be rushed before they're truly ready or otherwise you could have seen Monte and Isan have to play in the big leagues last year, which would have been exciting on one hand, but are yeah. they truly ready for that transition? Even, you know, Yelich and Ozuna and Marisnik, when they were able to make it to the majors in essentially what felt like one year, 2013, they mm-hmm. still had adjustment periods. You know, people forget Marcel was going to be sent back to Jacksonville after he had had some time in April, May, June, July, he was going to have to be sent back to Jacksonville, but unfortunately injury cut his season short. So uh, Mm -hmm. no one's having to be rushed right now. So I think that's what makes this an exciting time right now is the fact that 
there is so much depth. They're not getting desperate when they do have to make roster moves and dip into the farm system. Now they're able to get guys from AAA that have been around the block a little bit, have already kind of conquered AA, and that's what you like mm-hmm. to see. All right, I'm going to get you out of here on this, and we've been asking all the guys about this. This has been the last question for every interview we've done with the prospects, so I want to get your opinion on this. So I am one that's fascinated by the life in the minor leagues, some of the places guys go, some of the towns they visit, the the bus, the whole thing is just incredible to me. So a good story you have from life on the road in the minor leagues is blank. A uh, good story from life in the minor leagues. Uh, well, there was one time where we were in Birmingham and mm-hmm. uh, there, we had an older bus and sometimes the uh, doors on the bottom where our luggage was would pop open. And <laughs> there was one time where uh, my suitcase and another player's suitcase somewhere from the hotel ride from the hotel to the ballpark, somehow our suitcases on getaway day uh, fell out of the bottom of the bus and into downtown Birmingham, and we still do not know where those suitcases are. <laughs> um, that was in the 2015 season. Uh, that was a little That's frustrating. Amazing. You know, we, we've had, uh, you know, our share of, like, flat tires, and uh, we used to carry around an equipment trailer just behind the bus, and that would have issues every now and then. <laughs> so, you know, we, we've had to do the deal where we've had to load up a new bus on the side of an interstate. Yeah. Uh, we've had times where the air conditioning has gone out. You know, some we don't really run into those problems very more, um, very often now. Uh, the Marlins have given us a lot more resources at the minor league level. Mm-hmm. So that's been certainly good. So we don't get some of the crazy stories like that yeah. anymore, but uh, <laughs> it is a grind. It, it is definitely a grind. Yeah, I'm and, sure. Uh, it's something for fans to keep in mind. You know, sometimes when they're seeing, uh, especially for us, you know, the jumbo shrimp, but we deal with the long bus travel, the baby cakes deal with the uh, early morning flights they have to make in the Pacific Coast League, which is mm-hmm. a different kind of grind as well. But, uh, you know, there's sometimes when you get back to the ballpark from, say, Tennessee or Chattanooga or Birmingham, and it's about eight in the morning when you're back in Jacksonville and it's a Friday night yeah. coming up. So you got to get right back at it for the game the next day. So uh, definitely keep that in mind when you're uh, yeah. watching the players and, I think sometimes the grind of the minor league life can be really tough uh, because we're playing about 140 games in about 150 days, even with an all-star. So, uh, you insane. know, the majors, they, luckily, the majors have a lot more off days kind of built in, but mm-hmm. uh, typically it's about 20-game stretches that these guys are always playing in. <laughs> so uh, just keep that in mind when you're seeing the, the performances and the numbers roll in. Uh, these yeah. guys are definitely getting their work in, addition to, in addition to all the work they are doing um, – you know, before the game is sometimes more important than the game. You know, the fact they yeah. can do some early work, stuff they would do uh, typically in spring training. Uh, in the majors, they don't really do that on a day-in-day basis. Everything is geared towards the game. But in the minors, taking those early ground balls, getting those extra bullpen sessions in, that's what really makes a difference for those guys. Yeah, well, you know, that's what we're here for. We we need to give these guys the credit that they deserve and the attention that they ser- deserve because I feel like they don't get it sometimes. So, you as well, Roger. Keep grinding. Uh, have a great rest of the season, and uh, we'd love to talk to you again. I didn't even get to ask you about Trevor Rogers or Robert Duggar or Yamamoto. There's so much talent in Jacksonville and all across the system that we could talk for hours. But uh, we really appreciate you coming on. We'd love to have you on again, and uh, good luck the rest of the way. Keep grinding this season. Yeah, thank you. And I'm a big fan of your guys' work, uh, especially uh, keeping up with the minor league system as you do. <laughs> 
uh, and keeping everybody positive because, you know, AA and other yeah. levels of the organization, we can always kind of see two or three years ahead for what's coming up mm-hmm. in the major leagues. And uh, that's pretty exciting when you think about everything that Jacksonville yeah. has going on this season. Like I mentioned, we haven't even gotten to a lot of Jupiter strength this year. So yeah. uh, there are some really good things on the way. And I appreciate the way all of you guys at Fish Stripes to keep it positive uh, from what's going on in the Marlins perspective and especially in the minor leagues, because again, good things are on the way. And I hope you guys keep up the great work. Yeah. Thank you. We really appreciate you, your time. Thank you very much. Thank you.